Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with your host, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Parthenia is a psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner who will show you alternative paths towards health with a holistic approach. Call in with your questions or comments at 888-235-7374. And now here's the host of Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Hello, everyone. Good evening to those of you listening to our live broadcast tonight, August 20, 2013. And hello to those of you listening to an Internet archive within a few minutes of the show close or rebroadcast some other time. Great you are listening in. Uh, Yes, and uh, we do live programs for those of you who are new to the station every Tuesday. Uh, Well, most Tuesdays, and we do rebroadcasts on the Wednesdays and Thursdays of special programs uh, that we've done over the years. And we do all of this uh, on Blog Talk Radio. Now, we air it at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, but you can access it anytime you like, on your phone, on your computer, uh, however you like. Now, you are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner, Parthenia Izzard. Now, um, again, the rebroadcasts can come from 2006, 2007, 2008, and at different times uh, over the course of the radio program, I've been on different stations, so don't get thrown by that. Uh, I'm on Blog Talk Radio now. Now, to call into the program this evening and ask a question of our guest, you would dial 619-789-6835. Now, if you want to send an instant message during the show, you can do that also by going to the Blog Talk Radio homepage, and then in that search engine, you can type in my name or the name of the radio program, and it will take you where you need to go to be able to enter that instant message. Now, um, if you are a subscriber to our email list, you get an e-card every Tuesday uh, that lets you know who the live guest is going to be and who our rebroadcast guests will be. Uh, Any problems with any of the Internet links on the Blog Talk Radio site or on my website, please call me after the program at 866 472 Now, on this program, we discuss alternative medicine therapies, related products, and issues, and we do it with the experts. <clears throat> experts. Only try the therapies shared here after consulting with your physician. Now, last week, um, our earlier in the day pre-recorded guest uh, was Barbara Berger. Now, we pre-recorded that because she was in uh, Denmark, so we didn't want her getting up at the crack of dawn. So anyway, she was the author, she's the author of Are You Happy Now? Ten Ways to Live a Happy Life. At the end of that program, we discussed the Urbanato and the Asana Auto Muka Yusasana. Now, next week, Tuesday, my live guest, August 27, 2013, will be Jill K. Thomas, author of Feed Your Real Hunger, Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill That Keeps You Overweight. If you missed any of those shows or you miss any upcoming show, you can always go to the website www.amtherapies.com. Click on the radio link to hear the show. 
For appointments with me, face-to-face or remote, and for general information, call 866-472-6094. Now, remember, you can purchase uh, uh, my an autographed copy of the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. And you can do that on my site, again, by visiting www.amtherapies.com to make that wonderful resource a gift to yourself and or a friend. And you can also follow me on Twitter, Alternative Medi. And don't forget, eat right for your type, blood type, and uh, new skin supplements and beauty products where beauty and wellness meet technology. Now, tonight I'm going to be speaking with uh, Deborah Laval live. She's the author of Leap to Freedom, Healing Quantum Guilt. And um, now at the end of tonight's program, we will discuss the herb Ashwagandha and the Asana Pinka Mayurasana. Now it's time for our wellness news. Okay, Science Daily. Salt drinks linked to behavioral problems in young children. Okay, this came out August 16, 2013. Uh, they say that Americans buy more soft drinks per capita than people in any other country. Now, these drinks are consumed by individuals of all ages, including very young children. Although soft drink consumption is associated with aggression, depression, and suicidal thoughts in adolescents, the relationship had not been evaluated in younger children. A new study scheduled for publication in the Journal of Pediatrics finds that aggression, attention problems, and withdrawal problems Um, behavior are all associated with soft drink consumption in young children. Uh, Shakira Suglia, SCD, and colleagues from Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, University of Vermont, and Harvard School of Public Health assessed approximately 3,000 five-year-old children enrolled in the Fragile Families and Child Well-Being Study, a prospective birth cohort that follows mother-child pairs from 20 large U.S. cities. Mothers reported their child soft drink consumption and completed the child behavior checklist based on their child's behavior during the previous two months. The researchers found that 43% of the children consumed at least one serving of soft drinks per day and 4% consumed four or more. Aggression, withdrawal, and attention problems were associated with soda consumption, even after adjusting for sociodemographic factors, uh, maternal depression, intimate partner violence, and paternal incarceration. Any soft drink consumption was associated with increased aggressive behavior. Children who drank four or more soft drinks per day were more than twice as likely to destroy things belonging to others, get into fights, and physically attack people. They also had increased attention problems and withdrawal behavior compared with those who did not consume soft drinks. According to Dr. Suglia, quote, we found that the child's aggressive behavior score increased with every increase in soft drinks servings per day, end quote. Although this study cannot identify the exact nature of the association between soft drink consumption and problem behaviors, limiting or eliminating a child's soft drink consumption may reduce behavioral problems. Okay. Now, um, 
After we come back from uh, this brief break, uh, my guest will be uh, Devra Laval, and uh, she's the author of Leap into Freedom. Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative Medicine Therapies like Iridology, Kinesiology, Reflexology, Energy Medicine, which includes Chi Life Therapy, Acupressure, and Psychological Consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine Therapies. Okay, you are listening to Wellness Home Within Wisdom with me, psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner, Parthenia Izzard. Have questions of my guest, call eight uh call six one nine seven eight nine six eight three five. Okay, now Deborah Laval, author of Leap into Freedom. At the age of twenty nine, Deborah Laval, master counselor, facilitator, and international best selling author of The Magic Doorway into the Divine, had a life altering mystical experience along with a profound physical healing that awakened her to her own true nature. Since that time, Deborah has facilitated groups and individuals to help them more fully realize the potential of their own radiant self. Now, she, Deborah, good, uh, good evening. Good evening, Parthenia. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, glad you're with us this evening. And you, you have got a pretty interesting background. And, and to do it justice, I'm going to let you share most of it with us. I, I'd like you to give us a little insight in your upbringing, your background, all those kinds of things that uh, were sort of a, a foundation for your interest in uh formal spirituality? Well, the foundation that I have for my interest in formal spirituality really is the fact that I had a profound enlightenment experience at the age of 29. And I actually had an organ grow back after the enlightenment experience. So once, Uh once you have an experience like that, you really can't go back. <laughs> sure, no. So I had what they call a direct experience of the truth or enlightenment of who and what I really am. And it was the most profound moment I'd ever experienced. Because in that moment, I experienced absolute love. And the love that went far beyond the confines of the body and the mind, it, it was just so much greater than all of that. And a miraculous healing, as I mentioned a a second ago, soon followed this experience. And that an organ actually grew back in my body that had dissolved. And not only was my perception of reality transformed, but my whole body had changed. I mean, something, you know, profound had happened to me. So 
after that, of course, it put me in a, in a completely different direction. And there were some gifts and powers that came with this as well, because it, it's just sort of part, I think, of, of having an experience quite like that where things follow you for a while. And then I began to study with masters and gurus in order to deepen and integrate this experience. And I had had many experiences over the years um, because of this, because I pretty much became a monk from that point on, from the age of 29. I still lived in the world, and I still did, you know, a lot of things, but my life was very much like that of a monk. So as time went on, uh, people started gravitating to me, and I started to, and out of nowhere, I never advertised, so I started to facilitate workshops, and I've been counseling people now for almost 30 years. So um, that's kind of the background and, and that, that had me go in this direction. Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, she's she's very modest, um, but more and more will be revealed as you you listen. And first of all, I want to say it's a beautiful cover. I, uh, you, you know, I, and I I would like for you to sort of uh, explain how your selection of cover uh, integrates with or reflects um, the content of the book. But for the ladies and gentlemen, it's a beautiful blue ocean type of picture and I believe these are dolphins and I think one is in my mind leaping so anyway would you sort of just give us a little insight about the cover well I was very excited when I found the picture <laughs> beautiful <laughs> I wanted something leaping but I didn't want a person leaping it just didn't seem yeah. to do it for me and then yeah. I saw these dolphins leaping in that beautiful blue and and it just it just jumped out at me, and I knew that was the cover for the book. And yeah. I I look at the book all the time. I just stare at that cover. Yeah, I no, just, it's beautiful. Oh, it is beautiful. And I'm so grateful for having found it. Well, now when we talk about guilt, and of course now as you're presenting it, quantum guilt. What and, and in your book you talk about three types of guilt, but just as a as an overview. What is guilt? Okay, that's a big question. <laughs> in, in two words or less. No, I'm joking. But yes. Well, guilt, well, we all know guilt as this thing that we carry around. Oh, I shouldn't have done that, or if I, if I only said that, or, um, or, or this uh, guilt that... Uh, where we have this longing, you know, there's this longing that goes on and we sort of feel always a little bit not right, not that good somehow, and, and then we project that feeling onto things to make ourselves feel even worse about. And that's more of an existential guilt. And the psychological guilt is more like I did something I shouldn't have done or I didn't do something I shouldn't have done. So we know that kind of guilt more or less. But the guilt I'm talking about here is something very different. It's not what we think it is. In fact, guilt and separation are of the same essence. Now, why did I come up with this? What happened here? And and what happened for me was that after having these experiences, um, you know, over the years with masters and gurus, I've had many such experiences as the one I just told you. 
But all of them pointed to the absolute love and oneness. It was love and oneness everywhere I looked. Every time I had an experience, that's where I would go, into that profound, absolute love. So then I started thinking, well, what's the story here? If I'm having, you know, these tremendous experiences of love, but then things would happen where you kind of go back into your life and you kind of be mad at somebody or you, you wouldn't feel quite, quite right. But I had an answer to that in a dream that came to me right after this first enlightenment experience. And it was after experiencing such, an, such a profound degree of oneness, I had a dream which I later discovered was this unconscious metaphysical guilt that I'm going to be talking about tonight. So if Is I can this just the, the one with your friend that involved the friend? Well, actually, no, this is more of, of a dream that I had that I, it's not in that book. It's just. Oh, okay. See? I'm, okay, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, the, friend I, the friend one is good. Don't forget that one. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about Okay, go ahead. Okay, so um, I was in a garden fashion show. I used to be a model years ago. And I had this dream after that first experience at 29, shortly after the, the incredible sense of oneness. And that same week, I dreamt that I was having to walk in this garden fashion show. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And so I had this lovely dress on. I'm walking through these beautiful gardens. And they said to me, At, when you get to the end, you're going to meet a black woman. And she's going to tell you to turn left. And so I thought, fine, okay, I'll, I'll follow the instructions. So I'm walking, walking, walking. And then I met this lovely black woman. And she just looked at me. She didn't smile. She wasn't excited to see me or anything. She just pointed to the left. So I walked to the left, and I walked into this area that was, everything was like dead and crunching beneath my feet. So I wasn't really comfortable there, but it was my job, so I had to do it. So I walked down this area of these things crunching under my feet, and I thought they were leaves, but they were a little harder than leaves. So I thought, don't think about it, just keep walking. So I kept walking, and I got to the very end of this path, and then I started walking back. But what happened here was underneath my feet, these demons, or these things that were crunching, became demons, and they started coming at my face. And I was terrified. And it would come in, in all sorts of forms. It would come in the forms of demons, but it were also or come in the forms of great fears I had or, or guilt I had or unworthiness I felt, and it would come at me. And then I was so terrified, I was soaked, my dress was ruined. <laughs> and I remember a voice so strong that said to me inside, if you make those demons real for even a moment, they will hurt you. Hmm. So... I, I got that in that moment, and I, as I kept walking, as they would come at me, I'd go, you're not real. You're illusion. You're not real. You can't hurt me. You're not real. So they would come at me, and then they dissolved the minute I would say, you're not real. So I got, get to the end of the, uh, where the this crunchy area and the demons, and I just collapsed on the grass, and, and everything had changed by then. It was like I had matured in a deep way. And what had matured is I finally 
understood the power of separation from ourself. So this dream was given to me as a warning, as a, as a gift to help guide me through the journey I was about to take for the next many years. Okay, now let me just sort of give our listeners a, a, an outline of uh, what the book covers. Now, there are about, um, well, I, I call them 35 sections. I, I wouldn't say chapters per se, but it's in four parts. Now, the first part is Quantum Guilt, The Final Illusion. Um, one, The End of Guilt. Two, The Aftermath. Three, The Split. Four, exploring three types of guilt. Five, what is guilt? Six, upset for the wrong reason. Seven, the last illusion. And then part two, how guilt traps us. And one, the invisible shroud. Two, uh, the should have, that murder. Three, love gone wrong. Four, why guilt traps us. Five, how we use guilt to trap one another. Six, how we use guilt to trap ourselves parentheses, looking for the sinner, in parentheses. Seven, punishment, the great preserver of sin. Eight, the imposter syndrome. Nine, misuse of power. Ten, the frozen world. Eleven, so who is the god of this world? Part three, the end of guilt's world. One, what we have projected onto God. Two, the deception of perception. Three, dissolving the implants. Four, clearing up contradiction. Five, the end of the world. Six, quantum forgiveness. Seven, right use of power. And then part four, return to innocence. One, may the force be with you. Two, return to oneness. Three, seeing through the eyes of the divine. Four, the highest service. Five, the perfect relationship. Six, true self-worth. Seven, thank you. Eight, Healing Original Sin, 9, Surrender, 10, Quantum Love, and uh, then an epilogue, Why We Are Not Guilty, um, a bibliography, and then more about the author. Um, one thing that stands out, and a, a lot of the readers may not, our listeners, and maybe some of the readers, may not understand why quantum guilt versus guilt per se. Okay, you, yeah. Well, quantum is is referred to. Well, I start the book with uh, mm-hmm. the at the very beginning of time, the Big Bang, and quantum mm-hmm. comes out of that because it's the most the smallest possible measurement. Mm-hmm. And so, out of the smallest possible measurement from the Big Bang, we we came from a very small, small thing that they couldn't believe was even could even create anything, and it did, and from that small amount, some of our largest problems came from the guilt. The guilt believes that we've actually separated from our source, but we haven't. We think we're separate, which is why our world is very difficult. And that's why I gave you that dream that I just did, because of what I was told, don't make it real. It's illusion. Those things that come at us are not true. So... When we recognize that, we recognize, no, we have not separated from our source. We can get to a place where we can look at another and see the the light in them, see the divinity in them, and see the oneness. So we can actually live in this world in that state of oneness as opposed, in, in the, as opposed to the state of separation 
which is what I just uh, read to you, which was what we encounter almost on a daily basis at times. So basically what we want to do is we want to look at how can we see through the eyes of love as opposed to seeing through the eyes of guilt. So when we say guilt, you have to understand that this is a guilt that's very deep. It goes beyond everything in the world. It's something that arose from the belief that we think we've separated. So we all feel a little bit bad somehow that we've separated somehow. It doesn't feel like guilt, this particular thing, this quantum guilt, but it's got this bit of you're always unsettled somehow. You never feel good. And then that same guilt then gets put on each other, projected onto each other, which is why we have divorces and problems with each other, and even war. So when we see through the eyes of, I did something wrong, or I'm not feeling good about myself, we look at another, and we see that in them. But when we have love for ourselves, we look at another, and we see love. So it's that basic, really. Okay, now, again, when you split it up into the three different types of guilt, um, clarify First of all, what the different three are, you know, what each one is again, because you did touch on it earlier, and it was a little bit before I think some of the listeners might have had a handle on what we were talking about. So if you touch on that again and then explain um, how what you're talking about relates to each one of those kinds of guilt that might sort of bring people where we need to have them for going with us through the rest of the journey. All right, we'll start with the psychological guilt. Okay. And the psychological guilt is just the guilt that we know of. I feel guilty because I did something I shouldn't have done or I didn't do something I should have done. Mm-hmm. So we kind of walk around. And, and it, a lot of it um, is um, our connection to the behaviors we judge or that others judge to be incorrect. So we have an idea that certain things we should feel guilty about or shouldn't feel guilty about. And the psychological model of guilt is entwined with our perception of love. We've grown up with family guilt and and guilt from those we look to for approval. So it's sort of entwined with with all of that. And I and it's not it's become like an emotion at that level because We've learned to live with it, but it's not an emotion because emotions have positive and negative uh, components to them, But whereas anger can be con- constructive. But guilt never is. If you notice, guilt is always just some sort of thing that sits there, and everybody talks about it or denies that they have it, but they have it. And the psychological guilt is more of a symptom of the guilt that I'm speaking about tonight. And then there's the existential guilt, which we also know about, which is another symptom. Um, and, and this existential guilt is felt as a deep suffering or longing, you know, this sense of longing for for something. And we often associate this existential guilt with neuroses or, you know, pathological guilt, which is sort of free-floating and attaches to our faults. Where now... The guilt, the quantum guilt, I call it the quantum guilt, the metaphysical guilt. It's a whole different thing. It's a deep unconscious guilt that we don't know we have. 
and it's a sense of wrongness in the mind that believes that we actually have separate, that it's actually possible to separate from our God self, to separate from love. Let's just call it love, because some people don't like the, the word God. But, and we actually believe we can separate from, from that source, from that love. But the truth is, if you've ever experienced some form of, of uh, awakening, or however small, all you experience is love. There's nothing but that. So that's okay, and, it, and so right. accepting and understanding that uh, solves the problem for the other two types. That's right. So it, so really what the guilt is, is a red flag. That's mm. what I'm calling guilt. It's just a red flag. And what's the red flag saying? Call home. Because we've left mm. our Our home is the place where we feel our, our, our love, our love for ourselves and for others. And if we find ourselves being angry or being, uh, you know, sad or being, you know, just in grief and in guilt, just go, oh, okay, all right, I, I've got a, it's a red flag here. I've got to go back to that place inside of me, uh, whether it be meditation or, uh, I've, I've, in, in the book, I've got techniques of all sorts on just about every page, so the whole book is filled with things you can do to to call home, to go back to that place where you realize I haven't separated from my source. I'm already one, and I'm already love. So in that yeah. place, we all already we all not a bit. We're yeah. already love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We never. Okay. Okay, good. That that gives them a good uh, foundation there. Now, it's, now it's in part one, I think, where you have is the one about the the mirror in this part in part one, as well as the um, there was something uh, about perception as well. Are both of them in the f- section one? Um, I think they're in two. <laughs> okay, there's one about perception. Um, Okay, well, whichever one you want to go ahead, because I've I've got so many pages turned down. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a really basic one, uh, an, an example of a story that I went through, and it uh, it really gives us all an idea of of what to do in a, in a difficult situation. And the, the situation was this: I had started longing I had, for my ex-husband that I'd been married to. 30 years ago and I've lived 10 lifetimes since that marriage but his image after all this time when I hadn't thought of him for years his image showed up in my mind and I was propelled into my past and there I was suddenly longing to return to my old life with him and I found myself sobbing with guilt for having left him and grief and unworthiness and just all this list of things that came up And so days were going by, and his grief and pain for my ex-husband became unbearable. And I felt I would die. It was that bad. So finally I said, okay, you're a conscious woman. Sit down and ask yourself some questions. Would I really go back? No, was my answer. And as I kept questioning myself about him, I slowly realized that this longing wasn't about him at all. It was about the pain I've carried inside ever since I was a baby. 
I remember standing in a crib, howling at the darkness with the same pain I was now feeling and projecting onto my ex-husband. So what I did here, and this is something we all can do, I, I dissolved his image. In other words, I took the picture of him that I had in my mind out of my, out of my image, and I just let myself feel the pain. I just felt it deeply, knowing that it had nothing to do with him. And this is where the unco- this was the unconscious guilt I was feeling. So then I began to pray. I said, please help me feel the love that I really am instead of this painful separation. Because I couldn't stand it anymore. And the thing that was strange is when it started when I started writing this book. And then I realized, oh, yeah, they're giving me a whole picture of, of, you know, what this guilt is all about so I can write about it mm-hmm. deeply with this life situation. So, so the answer to my prayer was that it revealed that the heartbreak and suffering in my lifetime had nothing to do with others or situations because that same pain was underlying all my interactions. So my broken heart originated inside of me. So I stayed with this feeling of grief for what I thought was for my ex-husband. And after a while, it was like a soft breeze. Just just by being with the intensity of the pain, I felt this soft breeze. And then I began to feel the love that I am and always have been. It just came washing back in. And I went, oh, thank God. And from that point on, I didn't uh, even think of him again. Hmm. Okay. So I returned to that place that was love as opposed to making a story about it and making myself sick about it and everything else. And a, a lot of times the things we agonize over in that way have nothing to do with the other person, like you're saying, and they're not even thinking about those kinds of things. Or, or they may not have even thought of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The things people feel often, yeah, like that, the, the, the other people that they're agonizing about, it hasn't even entered their mind or rarely <laughs> enters their that's mind. That's the weird part. <laughs> so now, um, how guilt traps us. Uh, you start out in this section with the invisible shroud, and you talk about... Um, how people say guilt doesn't affect them, and uh, they bring up the issue of, uh, you know, what about, quote-unquote, real sinners, murderers, rapists, and pedophiles, and the stuff of this nature. Why don't you sort of take us into this part two, um, touching that first? Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's always the first question that everyone, when they think of guilt, they think, everyone thinks that it, if we have its guilt, that keeps us from doing wrong deeds or or incorrect deeds, but actually it's the opposite. Just like I said in a, a moment ago with that example with my broken heart was already in me. The same thing here with guilt is that the guilt is an entity unto itself. It has nothing to do with actions at the at this deep metaphysical level the actions and the guilt they're not really related in fact if anything the actions come out of the separation itself and i, I use separation and guilt uh, in the same sentence because they're the same thing 
So it's because of the separation that we do bad actions or, or, or war comes about. And so it's it's not the other way around, as we've always been taught. That, okay, if you feel guilty, then that will keep us all down. But it's not that kind of guilt. It's an unconscious guilt. It's a guilt that runs our whole life, runs our whole world. So in other words, it's the guilt that creates the problem, not the other way around. Mm. By having so- the guilt, we project onto our world. And uh, I can give you a bit of a breakdown on this. For example, the steps that follow separation, like the separation being you hate yourself, you're unworthy, you're guilty, you feel bad. The first thing that happens there is guilt and separation makes a person judge or harm others because they see that in another. It's very simple. So when we miss the mark, which is what Buddhism calls this, this separation, they call it missing the mark. We make the error of believing in the wrong reality, so we project that onto another. Now, this belief leads to debilitating feelings, unworthiness, doubt, guilt, pride, and anger. So it makes us feel bad when we not when we're not feeling that love that we are inside, that we know that we have deep inside. And then we project our unconscious feeling onto others and blame them for our mess. So this is the root of blame. This is the root of violence. This is the root of everything, is the separation. Because Okay. What, okay. Go ahead. Finish okay. your thought. And this is where wars come from. Wars are waged because people believe there's another person, a group, or even an, an entire country of threatening people out there to fight against. So really, the, as we come, when we come right down to it, this unconscious guilt is the root of war. This separation from ourself is the root of war. And why? Because we're one. Every, we're just one being. The scientists say we're all of the same DNA. We're all made of the same substance. So if we are feeling bad, we look out there and it looks bad. If we love ourselves, there's love. It's really that simple. Okay, hold that thought as we go to break. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner, Parthenia Izzard, here on Blog Talk Radio. Please follow me on Twitter, uh, Alternative Betty. And remember, you can get products and supplements that with the incorporation of nanotechnology or more technically assimilated into the body. These products are enhanced by an age-like technology that promotes youthful skin. I call new skin where beauty and wellness technology. After break, we'll be back with Deborah Lavelle, author of Elite Freedom, Healing Quantum Skin. Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. 
Alternative medicine therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative medicine therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi light therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine Therapies. Hey, you are listening to Wellness Medicine Wisdom with me, psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner, Marcinia Izard. Now, my live guest next week, Tuesday, August 27, 2013, will be Jill K. Thomas, author of Feed Your Real Hunger, Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill That Keeps You Overweight. And at the end of that live program, we will discuss the herb astragalus and the asana salamba Uh, Check the website to see who my rebroadcast guests will be next week, August 28 and 29, 2013. And now we are back with uh, Deborah Laval, author of Leap to Freedom, Healing Quantum Guilt. And um, if you have questions for my guests, call 619-789-6835. Okay, we are back. And yes, I I did say into freedom, forgive me. So it is leap to freedom, which is an entirely different um yeah, reality. Thank you. Okay. So now you you go from there into the should haves that murder. In this whole section you're giving examples of the diff, you know, how guilt traps us and you talk about the should haves that murder. You want to sort of go uh, you know, briefly over the different um guilt traps. Sure. Well, if we listen to ourselves, we're always going, I should have done that, darn, you know, or or, I shouldn't have done that. In fact, it's like having, you know, we're always nagging ourselves. And so when we're always nagging ourselves, then our, our partner or people that are around us sort of start nagging us. So we th- there's no escape. I remember a, a, a situation I had. Um, about these should haves um, with a friend, and she uh, she was uh, actually feeling like she was really fat, and she wasn't, and, and so she would be telling me all the time, "I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat," and I'm like, "No, you're not fat. You're okay. You're okay. You look fine. You look fine." And then one day we went to the the gym, and uh, we're there tying up her running shoes, ready, getting ready for an aerobics class. And somebody came right up to her, stood in front of her and said, you should work out more. Oh. You're, you're fat. Oh. And so she was like, do you know her? Who is that? Do you know that person? I've never seen her in my life before. I said, well, wait a minute. What happened there? And she said, you know, I said, well, you know, you have been saying that you, you know you, you got to lose weight. You should do this. You should do that. And um, and she said that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> she was very, 
but the truth was that she's she was always in that sort of place i sh- I've got to lose weight, I shouldn't be like this, I should be like that, so it's like we have these shoulds and shouldn't, and then even that somebody would come up to her and say you should you should lose weight <laughs> mm-hmm. was a, a a perfect reflection of what we do to ourselves, and so then we draw that into ourselves, so these should haves that murder. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they they you know, just create realities for us which are not really what we want. So it's almost looking it's almost like looking into ourselves all the time, going, Are we loving ourselves? What are we doing to ourselves? What are we telling ourselves here? And if we're telling ourselves some bad stuff, then you know, it's inevitable we're gonna run across somebody that will tell us the same thing and then we'll feel really angry, like how dare they? But the point is, it's because they're one with us, and that's the whole point of this whole book, is that we are one, we're all love, we're all one. And so each other just plays another role for that in that part of the oneness. So it was an interesting situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it's interesting, I mean, it's, I use the word interesting. You know, you want to wonder, why would we want to do that to others to keep them with us. Uh, you talk about, um, and you give examples of uh, how people use guilt to trap others. Um, yeah, you hate to say mothers, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's the same thing. It's a similar reality in it. It's, it's, it's a, you know, interesting is the only word that keeps popping up for me. Why we would want to do that. Why would we want someone to do something for us or be with us or whatever based on feeling guilty about something you know it's it's it's, it's an, uh, i guess unfortunate that that people feel the need to do that to each other but again if you yeah. do what you're saying if you accept what you're saying it should you know, take people from that place again it's it's the red flag oh there's some guilt whether it's coming at you from somebody else or you're doing it yourself it's time for me to go back to loving myself here Mm-hmm. Because this guilt is not real. This is the illusion. This is the separation. It's, it's a really simple thing, actually, because we don't have to do it to each other, but we believe it's real and true, and we believe that you know we have a right to do it to others or they to us somehow, or it's sort of a normal thing. But it's not normal at all. It's it's not at all. It's just something that keeps us from self-love. Oh, and also people are often surprised when people will not allow them to use guilt in that way. To, to you know, they're just shocked. Oh, what's wrong with that person? Um, and I see how you you also you gently sort of bring religion into this when you you're talking about that the concept of sin and sinning and being a sinner and, and all of that. Would you like to touch on that gently? <laughs> or, or? Well, yeah, it's sort of like I have a I, I've got one uh, on the great preserver of sin punishment, mm-hmm. and and this again, you know, it's always back to us. It's a cute story, and it was about a man who lied about being beaten and robbed of Oprah Winfrey tickets, and then he scraped his hands on the sidewalk, used a rock to make a cut on his forehead, and then told police the two sisters knocked him around before swiping his Winfrey passes. Mm. 
for the truth. He didn't even buy them. He just didn't want to get in trouble with his wife. So he, he was just hoping to attend Oprah's farewell. She was just hoping to attend the farewell, but he didn't He didn't uh, want his wife to be mad at him. So he got him robbed, lied about it, and ended up in jail. So he was both judge, jury, and the hangman. So this sin that he created or thought he created, he, he punished himself for it, which is the thing that we do. And we even put that punishment in our bodies. So we're... If we, I had a friend who's who had a friend that passed away, and she didn't feel that she had treated him very well, and so asked me, well, why is my body going crazy? My back, my neck, I'm just going out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And when we talked about it, she recognized that oh, I'm feeling guilty, and I'm punishing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm punishing oh. myself for feeling, you know, for having done that with to him. So then we worked with it, and she, as she got a handle on it, on it, and we did some forgivenesses, you know, which can travel through time, and she felt better, and her body got better. So, uh, yeah, we we use we think we've sinned, so we punish ourselves, mm-hmm. and then that's why we punish. There's, you know, vicious cycle. <laughs> cycle. If we think we're a sinner, well, they gotta be sinners. So let's keep this sin thing going, but it's not the truth. The truth well, is. Well, now, go ahead. Okay. Well, the truth is that the sin thing is what keeps the guilt going, and that's what keeps the war going. Okay. If we didn't see, if we felt love, if we felt ourselves to be loved, we would see others as love, mm-hmm. and so therefore there would be no need for all these games that we play. Very good. Well, now we're, the the show is the program is going very quickly f- for me, I, and I, we're at, we're getting closer to the end. And I, I, before we get too much further along, I'd like you to share some contact information with our listeners, like your web address, uh, any email, uh, any upcoming events that you'd like people to know about. Okay. All right. Um, my new website, DeborahLavelle.com, is currently doing an upgrade, so it won't be ready for a couple of days. <clears throat> but your listeners are well are welcome to visit TheMagicDoorway.com for information of me and for signing up for my newsletter. Now, the book is now available on Amazon and or anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, it's definitely available, and the e-books are now available as well. And I have okay. a wonderful give, list give of that tips. website again. Give that website okay, again. Okay, the website, themagicdoorway.com. Okay, good. Themagicdoorway.com. And that's a temporary one, but you'll be able to find out anything you need there for now. Right, and they certainly, you know, if they go to my website or wherever they see, they'll see how your name is spelled and they'll be able to uh, know that that's the, the new website will be that. Okay. Um, and now, I have a list of gifts uh, that are valued about a pro- approximately about $1,000 for everyone who purchases a copy of my new book, Leap to Freedom, Healing, Quantum Guilt. Um, so you just have to simply email me the purchase confirmation number and my office will send you the contacts and links for the list of gifts for you to enjoy. And these gifts include 
MP3 music, guided meditations, e-books, discounts, amazing workshops, and uh, and free, feel free to tell your friends as this offer is open to everyone, everyone you know. And so if anyone wishes to contact me about scheduling a counseling session, I do have a couple of times available. And any information you want, um, just let me know at info at com. That's my email. Well, why don't you spell your name? Uh, it's D-E. Go D as in Victor, as in Victor. D-E-V-R-A-H. Lavelle, L-L-A-V-A-L. Okay, good. Okay, now, um, also, could you give one little tip that someone might be able to start now or do now until they get to your book, um, that'll sort of hold them over till they get to your book, that might sort of get them started with dealing with uh, quantum guilt or you know, start that healing process? Okay, to make it really, really simple, <clears throat> there's something in yoga called chin mudra, which is a little exercise that you do with your fingers. And this is very, very basic, but it can be powerful if you actually t- use it. So what I suggest, I have a number, the whole book is filled with th- things to do, but in the meantime, till you get the book, when you're feeling not very good about yourself, you may not even know what it is or why or anything else. It doesn't matter. The fact that you're separate from yourself and not one with your own love, take your thumb and your first finger and let them touch. And that makes an O. That makes a sense of oneness. And recognize that, okay, when the thumb and the first finger touch, there's an energetic component to this and this is a swami taught me this in Mm -hmm. one of the ashrams i live and you just walk around holding your thumb and your first finger together and just say i am love and just like i said in 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 that dream that i started with you're not real i am love you're not real very good. Okay, thank you. That's a, a that's a, an invaluable gift uh, that you just gave. Um, okay, well, we're also at that point where I ask my guests for their final words of wisdom for our listeners. So if you could sort of, you know, and I'm talking a while to give you a chance to sort of <laughs> think, what would you, you know, want to leave our listeners with as a, your final words of wisdom? It's very, okay. I like this master. He's a tremendous master. And he he and all the, uh, all the uh, esoteric teachings of the different religions say the same thing, but I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you slowly because it really can settle in that way. And what he says is, Miss Argadatta Maharaj is his name, and he says, Once you realize that all comes from within, that the world in which you live has not been projected onto you, but by you, Mm. your fear comes to an end. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, And you're in Canada. So thank you very much. And uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Parthenia. It was great. Okay. Good night. Good night.
All right, folks. Uh, it is now time for our herb of the day. Today's herb is ashwagandha, and the parts medicinally are the roots. And some of the phytochemicals include beta beta cystosterol, uh, chlorogenic acid, scopolamine, lysiferin. Nutrients include amino acids and choline. According to Bonkin Ball, uh, it rejuvenates and energizes the nervous system, helps prevent stress-related disorders and stress-related depletion of vitamin C and cortisol, increases physical endurance and improves sexual function, has anti-inflammatory and anti-aging effects. Uh, in laboratory studies, has modulated and stimulated immune function. An Ayurvedic herb, also known as Indian ginseng and winter cherry, and is also an important herb in Ayurvedic medicine. And now for our yoga asana. Tonight's asana is Pinka Mayurasana. And again, I use uh, the Iyengar way as my resource for these. Uh, Pinka, tail feather, Mayura, a peacock. The trunk and legs resemble the fan-like tail of a peacock. Um, you kneel facing a wall. Place the forearms and palms on the floor, uh, a shoulders width apart. Fingers spread. Press the index and middle fingers against the wall. Keep the upper arms perpendicular. Raise the shoulders and head look up. Straighten, straighten the legs and walk in, raising the trunk and hips. Keep the left leg bent and slightly forward, the right leg straight and slightly behind. Prepare to jump. Keep the head and shoulders lifted. Exhale and kick up the right leg, following quickly with the left, keeping the feet together on the wall. Move the dorsal spine in. Stretch the trunk and the legs up. Look back. Stay for 20 to 30 seconds. or longer, breathing evenly. Exhale and come down. Stay for a few moments with the head down. It's like doing a headstand but not on your, or it's like doing a handstand but on your elbows. Okay. Folks, you have been listening to Wellness Holistic with me, psychologist, and certified healthcare practitioner, Parthenia Izzard. Um, here on Vlog Talk Radio. Up my live guest with Jill K. Thomas, also a speed reveal hunter, getting the At the end of that program, that live program, we will discuss the Arab Nagamas and the Asana Salamba. Check the website www.amtherapy.com or www.wellness.com. To see my rebroadcast, guests will be Wednesday and Thursday, August 28th and 29th, 2013. Uh, use the link on my website to listen to the program live on your computer, iPhone, Blackberry, um, and um, also you can send 
resume if you're interested in being an intern on the program. Remember, the show is archived immediately after being aired at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. There's a link for advertising on the program on my site. You can email inquiry resume for such consult at amtherapy.com. Wealth, wholeness, and wisdom. Be well. Thank you.